now for something completely different. We're gonna bring, bring, bring it all together. Cause this is the bottom line. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday morning. We really appreciate it. We hope you're having a great day. It's beautiful outside. Apparently the band doesn't want to stop. Okay, now they're stopped. 859-381-1313. If you'd like to call and join in on the conversation, you can email the show anytime. Bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at Bottom Line Lex. And those of you worried, and I'm sure you were after yesterday's show, yes, I got my little parking spot back this morning. Sorry, Mr. Harley-Davidson car. Sorry about your luck. Get here early next time. On today's show, it's an NFL Sunday here on the Bottom Line. The calendar says August. Thank goodness. That means it's fantasy football draft season. And if you're tired of drafting in your basement with your friends that you just humiliate and dominate every year, and you want to win over $15,000 this season, and at the same time be crowned the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, then you'll want to hear our guest coming up around 9.30, 9.35 or so. He's Farrell Elliott. He's been on the show before. He'll be on the show again today. He is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. He'll be coming up later in the show. Make sure to check out his website, kffsc.com, and that'll tell you how you can get in touch with him and how you can sign up to win that big money and those big trophies and be crowned a state champion. This week is the first full week of NFL preseason football. We will have a few tips on how to get you ready for these preseason games in our College of Football Handicapping Knowledge. And yes, we have action on these games. Don't listen to those crazy media people that say, oh, you've got to be crazy to invest in these preseason games. Maybe you do, but we have trends and data that says uh, you can cash in on these. There's a reason why the desert puts limits on these preseason games, and they don't on the regular season games. Think about it. It's about information. We'll tell you how to get it. And, of course, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Sunday edition of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. As always, we thank you so much for joining us. But first, Chris Davis. In case you missed it last night, the Reds won again against the Pirates, closing as a big minus 200 favorite out in the desert. If you laid that kind of tax on the Reds yesterday, minus 200, hey, you cashed your ticket. It's not something we want to do. But still, you cashed your ticket, so can't argue with that. That's three in a row over the Pirates this weekend. Four in a row overall. The Reds now sitting at a season high nine games over 500 at 60 and 51. Good times all around in Cincinnati. Everybody's wearing the jerseys to the park again. And not the old Pete Rose, Johnny Bench jerseys. They're wearing current day Nick Castellanos, Jesse Waker jerseys. It's not the old days. Joey Votto has found the fountain of youth. Jonathan India might be on the way to a rookie of the year season. Who had that before the year? You can still find him at about plus 150 to plus 180 out in the desert, depending on where you shop. The Reds had two outfielders start in the All-Star game. And the desert this morning says that this team, the Reds, has a 34% chance 
of making the playoffs now. Just three days ago, that number was about 25%. Just a week ago, the desert said 15% for this team. So, the Reds have more than doubled their playoff probabilities in a week. And the odds say that the Reds will continue their winning ways this afternoon because they're sitting as a huge 240 favorite in this afternoon's game. Minus 240. So everything trending up right now for this team overall. But with any success story, there's collateral damage. And this one you can't escape. Here's a quick trivia question for you, real quick. Which Major League Baseball player has the most home runs in all of baseball since opening day 2018? Uh Uh-huh. It's Eugenio Suarez. He has 120 home runs in the last four seasons. The next highest total, Nelson Cruz, 117. Nobody has hit more home runs the last four seasons than Eugenio Suarez. But with the return of Mike Moustakas to the lineup this week, somebody's got to go to the bench. Conventional wisdom says it's Kyle Farmer. He's about 30 years old. He hasn't really done it in the past. He's the odd man out. But the numbers say it's an easy choice. It's Eugenio Suarez. Suarez is having one of the worst seasons in Major League Baseball history. And yes, he has 22 home runs. Lord knows he's swinging for a home run every single time he swings the bat at the plate. But with a 177 batting average and 133 strikeouts, that makes for an absolutely miserable season. He started the season batting third and fourth in the lineup basically every day, depending on matchups. On Thursday, he was moved down to eighth in the lineup. On Friday and Saturday, when Moustakas returned, he didn't even play, didn't even pinch hit. But this benching was not only long overdue, but it's an effort to save Suarez from the fate of some of the other guys who have had similar seasons in the past. Let's look at the worst batting averages in the history of Major League Baseball over a full season. And these are qualified players. You have to walk up to the plate 502 times. Not just some dude who just went 0 for 4 in a game. People who have gone to the batter's box 500 times in a season. The third worst batting average for a full season in history of Major League Baseball. Rob Deere of the 1991 Tigers. He hit 179. That's better than Eugenio Suarez right now. He was out of baseball two years after that terrible season, Rob Deere was. Uh-huh. What's the second worst batting average of all time in Major League Baseball? Dan Ugla of the 2013 Braves. He also hit 179 over a full season. That's two points better than Eugenio Suarez is right now. And Dan Ugla was out of baseball two years after his awful season. But the worst batting average in Major League Baseball history over a full season, it was very recent. Chris Davis of the 2018 Orioles, he hit 168. And although he's still getting paid a ridiculous amount of money, Chris Davis, he's not playing. The Orioles just basically said, please go home. We don't want you here anymore. You're doing more harm to us by showing up than if you didn't show up. So just go home. We'll make up something. We'll write a note from your mother. Whatever. 
just go home. The Orioles are paying him $23 million this year and $23 million next year. So, even after Chris Davis's 168 season of two years ago, he was out of baseball in 2020, right after the season ended. They made up an injury and told him to go home. But we know it's due to the fact that he just stinks is why he's not there. Not because he's injured. He just stinks. But what do all three of these guys we just talked about, what do they all have in common? Rob Deere, Dan Ugla, Chris Davis. What is the common denominating factor here? They're all guys who could hit 30-plus home runs in a season, and all three of them did several times. But they were also guys who could put up 200 strikeouts if you let them. Sound familiar? Uh Uh-huh. Those are exactly the same characteristics as Eugenio Suarez. But Chris Davis was the most recent of these guys, and to be honest, he was the most tragic, despite him cashing in big paychecks right now. Chris Davis started his career in Texas, and he was the same guy there. Low batting average, but could hit a few home runs. He got traded to Baltimore in 2011, and by 2013, Chris Davis had finally found a groove that he had been looking for for several years. He was kind of like that Michigan J. Frog. Remember that cartoon where this frog could just sing his, you know, he was a great opera-type singer, but he only could sing around one person? Yeah, that's what this Chris Davis guy was. He was that frog who could only sing around one person, and then when other people came around, he wouldn't sing a word. And then he'd feel like an idiot. That's what Chris Davis was. But in 2013, Chris Davis finally found his groove. He had 53 home runs that season. Finished third in the MVP voting. And in 2015, the final year of his contract, Davis put up another 47 home runs. So what if he struck out 208 times to lead Major League Baseball? He still hit 47 home runs, right? But the Orioles couldn't let Davis walk away. So they signed him to a seven-year, $161 million year before the 2016 season. Wow, big money. And it went downhill almost immediately for Davis after signing that contract. From then until now, Davis leads the major leagues in strikeouts per at-bat. Of course, he set the major league record for lowest batting average in 2018. And in 2019, he was still at it. He set the major league record for most consecutive bats by a position player without a hit, going 0 for 54. Yikes. The previous record was 0 for 46, meaning he beat it by 17%. That would be like breaking Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak by going 66 games, not just 57. But let's compare Chris Davis, what he did in 2018, to what Eugenio Suarez is doing this year. Davis's batting average was 168 that year in 522 plate appearances. Suarez, 177 in 438. Davis actually hit 16 home runs in that lousy season. Suarez has hit 22 this year. And he he lets everybody know it, too, because in spring training, Suarez told us he was going to hit at least 53. Davis had an OPS plus of 49 in 2018. Suarez is at 61 right now. And Davis's war, his win above replacement in that historic season, minus 3.3. Suarez currently sitting minus 2.2. The worst in baseball. So although Chris Davis had a worse year in 2018 than Eugenio Suarez is having this year, it isn't really that far off. But Chris Davis's career is now over. He's 36 years old. He played 16 games in 2020. 
and he hit 115 and then mysteriously came down with a knee injury. And now Davis mysteriously has another injury that's going to keep him out the entire season. Amazing how that works. In other words, the Orioles have agreed to pay off his insane contract so that he stays away so they're not reminded of the huge mistake they made. That's how bad Davis has been, but more importantly, how bad that contract has been. Quite possibly the worst contract in Major League Baseball history. And at the end, it got ugly. In fact, Davis tried to physically assault his manager in 2019. I'm sure that had nothing to do with uh, why he's been told to go home, but who knows. But now with Mike Moustakis back for the Reds, Eugenio Suarez has spent the last two days on the bench. And let's be honest, it's where he belongs right now, especially if this Reds team wants to compete and try to catch the Padres down the stretch, which they have a small percentage of a chance of doing. But if the past tells us anything, with guys like Rob Deere, Dan Ugla, and Chris Davis having similar seasons, you don't recover from years like this. And over the next three seasons, the Reds owe Suarez almost $36 million. So if you think Suarez is just going to break out of his slump and just snap out of it like flicking on a light switch, then disregard everything you just heard. But history tells us when an established player endures a season like this, they don't recover. And sooner rather than later, they're not only out of town, but they're out of the league. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Last night, the Reds won again. 11-3 over the Pirates. These games are just like, uh, they're not even competitive this week against the Pirates, who look like they've gotten a roll of stamps and mailed in the rest of this season. That works out well for the Reds because 10 of their last 51 games will be against these same Pirates. Speaking of schedules, the Reds currently sit two and a half games behind the wilting Padres for the wild card. And as we said earlier, the desert now says the Reds have a 32% chance of making the playoffs. But the Padres have a tougher schedule down the stretch than the Reds. In fact, the Padres get the Dodgers nine times going forward and the Giants ten times. Advantage, Reds. But as we have whined about all season, that Reds bullpen will be a determining factor before this race is said and done. And speaking of the bullpen, the Reds manager, David Bell, who's, I don't think he knows from day to day what he's going to do, says there is a quote-unquote good chance that Lucas Sims will be activated from the injured list today. Sims was the main option for saves out of the Reds' bullpen before he got injured, but that was a while back, and a lot has changed since then. We think the Reds will likely ease Sims back into the high-leverage spots at first, given the other options they have at this point. But since nobody has run away with this closer's job while he was out, Sims could maybe, possibly, move back to the top if he can pitch well and be getting saves. But like we said earlier, and like we said yesterday, who knows what David Bell is thinking when it comes to this bullpen because he's proven it day after day. He has no clue what he's doing. But today, at Great American Ballpark, a game you can hear right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5 at 1240. It's the fourth and final game of this Pirates-Reds four-game Titanic battle. The Reds will hate to see the Pirates leave town after getting three easy, and I mean easy, wins so far in this series. Bryce Wilson for the Pirates, 2-4 and four on the air, 4.42 ERA. Tyler Bally, Mr. Holman Road split himself for the Reds, 8-3 and three on the season, 
3.86 ERA. Bryce Wilson just arrived from the Pirates after being involved in a trade deadline move with the Braves for the Pirates' closer, Richard Rodriguez. Talk about going from the penthouse to the outhouse. That has to feel good. Braves have a chance to win their division, and the Pirates have a chance uh, at nothing. At least they'll get a – everybody gets a uh, participation trophy. That's about all they'll get. But uh, Wilson went from the Braves to the Pirates, and uh, he wasn't a very good pitcher in Atlanta either. Uh, With Atlanta this year – Wilson was had a 5.45 ERA and 14 career starts with Atlanta, ERA plus of 86, and a whip of 1.639. Yuck. But Wilson did pitch well in his first start with the Pirates in Milwaukee earlier this week, allowing only one run in five innings on Monday. But in that game, he did not strike out one batter. So that doesn't speak well. The Pirates are 18-40 and 40 on the season on the road. And they've been an underdog in every single road game of this season except one. They lost that one, too. And, of course, they're a huge underdog today. Tyler Malley pitches for the Reds. And there may be no pitcher in baseball with a bigger home and road split than Tyler Malley, as in 10-run rally. But that's only at home this year. On the road this season, Tyler Malley is Cy Young worthy. 6-1, 2.06 ERA. At home, like he is today... Tyler Malley's 2-2, two two, 6.18 ERA. Yikes. Malley's faced the Pirates once this year and allowed one run in five and a third innings and a 14-1 win back on May the 10th. The Reds are only 5-5 five five when Malley starts at home this season while being 9-3 when he starts on the road. That's reflective of his home road ERA splits. The Reds are only 30-27 at home this year. That means they're 6 over 500 on the road, only 3 over at home. But... The Reds are 27-18 this season as a home favorite, which they are today. A huge 1.1% return on investment. Thank you for playing. Again, the Reds a big minus 240 favorite in this one. Total 9.5. If you want to lay that kind of number on this one, be my guest. Minus 240, it's too much in Major League Baseball. I don't care if it is a lousy team like the Pirates. Our numbers say this game should be about a minus 180, minus 185, something like that. So you're paying a big tax. If you're going on the Reds today, we'll stay away. But again, like yesterday, I know there's a lot of chalk pushers out there. And somebody asked me yesterday, what did you mean when you talked about a chalk pusher? Chalk pusher is someone who just bets the big favorites. The chalk is another word for the favorite. So if you're a chalk pusher, you're someone who bets the favorites. See, we teach some lingo here at the bottom line, too, sometimes. So for all you chalk pushers out there who love to take the big favorites no matter the cost, this game is right up your alley. But we will wish you luck from afar because the value's on the Pirates today, but minus 240, that's just way too much. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Well, I got bad news for a lot of you out there. The Olympics are over. Yippee. We discussed last week why we weren't huge fans of the Olympics. But, hey, it's okay if you are. But now you're, you were a fan because the Olympics will are now done. The closing ceremonies just took place. Of course, USA had the most gold medals, most medals, lather, rinse, repeat. If you had successful action on these games, we congratulate you. We try to stick with what we know, and we do not know swimming, gymnastics, and water polo enough to make investments in these. So, hey, good luck to you. But one sport we do follow that got going yesterday in earnest, college football. The University of Kentucky had fan day. So all the commoners like you and me, we can go out there. We can see the team practice. Yeah, I'm not part of the media. I'm still waiting on my invitation to media day on Friday. 
Uh, they told me it was lost in the mail. I didn't know we still used snail mail for that stuff, but I digress. Of course, all the reports yesterday came back as predicted on this show. Will Levis has a rocket of an arm. Ray Lewis's kid is a playmaker. Liam Cohen's new offense is innovative. You'll hear it all over the next few weeks. Just remember, all these other teams, the media is telling them the same thing to their fans. We're still on board with UK going under their season win total of seven out in the desert. We'll say six. But that doesn't mean we would fade them in a week one cupcake game against lowly Louisiana Monroe as a 29-point favorite. We'll have much more ad nauseum on this game as we approach the season. By the way, Louisiana Monroe, coached by Terry Bowden, who's in mourning today. And as we got word this morning on the way here, Bobby Bowden, the former Florida State coach, he passed away at the age of 91. I've referenced him on this show before, not because of his coaching skills, but his vocabulary. And he always said he uh, his team played a tough schedule. Not schedule, it's a schedule. That's how he always said it. Uh, and he always used words like dadgummit and dagnabbit all the time. I guess I can say that on the radio, right? I, I hope so. If Bobby Bowden can say it, surely to goodness I can say it. And please don't call me Shirley. Uh, this news broke this morning while I was on my way here, so I didn't get really a chance to research it. But I do know that nobody will ever beat Bowden's record of finishing in the top five of the final AP poll 14 years in a row from 87 to 2000. Nick Saban won't, won't even approach that. But as far as the desert goes, I just feel like he burned a lot of tickets. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. It's just it's fact. I didn't research this. just feels like back in the day, they were always favored to win. They always somehow blew these games, especially against Miami. when they, They'd have a kicker miss a kick when they had a surefire win. I did go back to my records that go to 2005. Bobby Bowden in his last five years was 22-34-1 against the spread in the regular season. That's 39.3%. So it didn't end well for Bobby out in the desert, but nobody will ever forgive him or forgive him. Everybody will forgive him. They'll never forget him. It's hard to believe he hasn't coasted 12 years now. It doesn't seem like that long since he retired. But you'll hear people more informed than me talk about him today. He and his two national championships and probably should have had a few more if they had just uh, had a few field goals against Miami. But something always seemed to happen like not having a good, kick, good kicker. So rest in peace to Bobby Bowden. He was 91, all due respect. But uh, I also was shocked to see that Marky Post passed away too, and I was researching Bobby Bowden. Marky Post from Night Court and the Fall Guy, she was only 70. Nobody wore that 80s mullet like uh, Marky Post. Just ask Bill Clinton if you know what I mean. Google that one, kids. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. But first, a new sponsor here at the bottom line, Jimmy's Kentucky Roadshow Shop. Sports memorabilia and card collecting back at huge levels with the COVID last year especially. And Jimmy's Kentucky Roadshow Shop, easily the best place in town to get your sports card fill, whether it's NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, or all kinds of UK players and stuff from the past and present. You can find it all at Jimmy's Kentucky Roadshow Shop. They're more than just a card shop. They're a place to browse pieces of sports history and share stories and memories. So go see our friends Jimmy and David down there. Uh, We've been in there. We've met these guys. They're as good as it gets. I love that place. It's set up unbelievably. So just take, uh, you can take all their collectibles to to a little seat and just browse through them. So go see our good friends uh, Jimmy and David down there at Jimmy's Kentucky Roadshow Shop, 369 Romney Road. Look them up online, KentuckyRoadshowShop.com. That's KentuckyRoadshowShop.com. 
Coming up after the break, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Worst video of all time, this one by Journey. Just saying. Look it up, kids. Corny as it gets. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. It's time once again for the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do we celebrate cashing a ticket in the desert? Oh, you already know. With a McNetty Stogie from Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. Like they say at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, cross the line with us. We know they love golf down there at Jake's Cigar Bar, too. Uh, Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. And tell our friends Jake and Autumn that the bottom line sent you, and they'll get you the VIP treatment you deserve, jakescigarbar.com. NFL preseason begins in earnest this week. Everybody plays this week, finally. The games start on Thursday night. And if you think that people are not getting action down on these games, you're mistaken. The Cowboys-Steelers game on Thursday night uh, got more action out in the desert than every Major League Baseball game except one. That should tell you something right there. The people, uh, the degenerates like us, we are starved for football action, so we're trying to get all the action we can. Actually... If the experts will tell you, oh, it's crazy to bet these NFL preseason games. Nobody knows what's going to happen or who's going to play. Actually, the coaches tell you more in these preseason games about what they plan on doing than in the regular season. In the regular season, nobody gets hit and gives you hints. Look at Belichick. I mean, we're just getting ready for Cincinnati. But in the preseason, they'll tell you everything. But there are some ways to cash tickets in the NFL preseason. We have the data to prove it. So let's go over our basic rules handicapping these preseason NFL games. First and foremost, here is rule number one. Put this one in stone. Always look to play the Ravens and John Harbaugh. The theory is that the preseason is just a time to, you know, just for winning. It's not for winning. It's for battling for positions and roster spots. Well, tell that to the Ravens and John Harbaugh because under John Harbaugh, the Ravens are 37-12 and 12 in the preseason. The last time the Ravens lost a preseason game was September 3rd, 2015. Yep, that's six years ago. And that's a 17-game winning streak. If they'd won 17 straight games in the regular season, they'd be called one of the greatest teams in the history of the NFL. That tells you how dominant the Ravens have been in these preseason games over the last few years. In fact, if you put $1 on the Ravens' money line in all 49 preseason games they played under Jaron Harbaugh, you'd be up $21.61 for a return on investment of 44.1%. Uh-huh. So you think you can't make money in these preseason games, huh? You just got to do a little research. These numbers, uh, we went over this on the money line. What about against the spread, though? It must be different against the spread. Uh-huh. No, it's not. Harbaugh and the Ravens, 33-15-1 against the spread. That's a very nice 69%. And if you put up a dollar on Harbaugh against the spread in the preseason on every game, You'd be up $16.22. Return on investment, 33.1%. That's a cash cow, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't think you can get away with this, just do it. John Harbaugh proves you can. So that's rule number one of the preseason. Play Harbaugh. That's basically all you need to know. Some other coaches that make you some money in the preseason. John Gruden, Mike Zimmer, Pete Carroll. They all cover over 64% of the time. What about some of these legendary coaches? Bill Belichick, Andy Reid. Those are the ones you want to fade, because if you fade them, they hit less than 45%. So it depends on who you are. Some of these coaches put a lot of emphasis on it. Some of these coaches, especially the established ones, they don't care. So, yes. So the bottom line is, play John Harbaugh and the Ravens no matter what. Go with Gruden, Zimmer, and Carroll. Fade 
Belichick and Reed, they don't care. There's your bottom line on coaches. But we also look to play totals in these games. We saw a very low-scoring game Thursday night. Conventional wisdom says, oh, these, are, these offenses don't care. The main quarterbacks aren't playing. Nobody cares. And we always root against human achievement anyway on this show. But when you see a low total, you want to go over. It's one of the few times that we look to go over totals. This is in the NFL preseason game. When you see a total of 35 or less, the over hits 58% of the time since 2005. That's 87 and 63. Return on investment, 13.3%. That's very good. So basically, blindly playing the overs, 35 or less, and as luck would have it, there are eight games this week where the total is 35 or less. There you go. We'll go over uh, the others next week, but there's two that are played Thursday and Friday night. We'll talk about those right now because there are five preseason games Thursday and Friday. Washington and New England, total 35. Let's go over. We just got a trend that says, why not take the over in that one? We'll go over Washington New England. Also Thursday, Steelers and Philly. Pittsburgh is a one-point dog, total 33 and a half. Everybody saw Pittsburgh on national TV Thursday night. Looked like they couldn't score a point to save their lives. We'll go over in that one, too. Total 33 and a half. And we'll take Steelers with a little reverse line movement. We talked about last week, small underdogs in the preseason. They'll fit that. So we'll take the Steelers and the Eagles. We'll go that to, to go over the total. And we'll take the Steelers against the spread in that one. And on Friday night, everybody loves Buffalo right now. Nobody likes the Lions. They've got a crazy coach who drinks too much coffee and a new quarterback nobody knows about. Lions are a one-point home dog in this one. We've got all kinds of reverse line movement, the public all over Buffalo, but the line moving towards Detroit. Let's take Detroit in that one. Now there's your Mac Daddy Stogies really quick for the NFL week coming up. Washington, New England over 35. Pittsburgh getting a couple of points at Philly and over the 33.5 total in that one. And Detroit as a home dog against Buffalo where the line's going one way, but the public's in the other one. We like to follow the line, not the public. There you go. Four Mac Daddy Stogies. By the way, Major League Baseball today, favorites went 12-4 and four last night. No wonder I've been in a lousy mood. The favorites are just racking it up. They've uh, killed it the last four days. 44-14 and 14 favorites in Major League Baseball. You're looking for a dog today? We're going to take the Brewers in about an even. It's about a pick game in Milwaukee today against the Giants. Johnny Cueto, you remember him. He's going for the Giants, 7-6, 3.83. Brett Anderson goes for the Brewers. Nobody likes him, 4-5, uh, 3.67, but he gets the job done. He pitches well. Uh, the public kind of on San Francisco in this one. We'll take the Brewers, kind of fading the public. And a look, game you might want to look to go under the total in this one. Uh, total is 9. It looks like it's going to be falling to 8.5. So there you go. Mac Daddy Stogie's all around. We told you the football wins and Brewers and unders today. Coming up after the break, you want to win some big money this fall? Let's get you playing some fantasy football. Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. He will join us next to show you how you can win fifteen grand playing fantasy football this year. That's next on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. This reminds me of the Caddyshack. He used to carry this up five, six, seven flights of stairs. So what? So let's dance. And then this song comes on. I'm, I'm weird about Caddyshack. Thanks for joining us here on The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And joining us right now, speaking of people who remind us of Judge Smales from Caddyshack, our next guest, he is the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, and he can help you win big money this fall in fantasy football. Check out his website, kffsc.com. He's our friend, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, how are you doing this morning, my friend? 
Oh, Judge Smells. You know, he he looks at he looks at his grandson and the kids talking about all the things he wants to order from the snack bar, and he says, "You'll get nothing and like it." I that's right. That's that a good one. one. That's what I quote all that's, the time. Dude, that's, that's a very good one. You know, you know, fantasy football players, Brad, that aren't paying attention this year, they may uh, to this preseason, they may get nothing, and uh, they'll have to like it if they don't pay attention here to what's happening in August. Now, see, that's a question. That's a great segue. You're a professional. I was going to ask you. We talk about, hey, you can learn a lot from the pre- the preseason. We talk about, hey, they they put these lines up on these games. There's no reason why you shouldn't be going on, especially like a team like the Ravens, who win all the time in the preseason. How should a good fantasy football player watch these fan these preseason games? Because oh, people, most people think that it's just the subs. How should they watch these preseason games? Well, I went to a social event, Brad, on Thursday night, which was centered around football. A lot of football people there that play in our fantasy league, and I said, you know, it, it, that, you know, what, what about the game tonight? Oh, I'm not interested. Dak's not going to play. Ben's not going to play. Uh, these are all the wrong answers. The game's not exciting. I felt the game to be very exciting. Uh, some of the things I took away from that game is that the Dallas Cowboys uh, had significant depth at the wide receiver position. I wondered where the development of their roster is. They can't seem to stop anyone on defense, but uh, they have wide receivers that they're prepared for an, uh, a complete breakdown of their top three and probably not miss a beat. So if I'm thinking that uh, Dak Prescott, if I want to, Look at him as my quarterback, and I'll have to pay about sixth, seventh round draft capital in the KFFSC for him. I'm going to say if something happens to the elite three receivers that uh, he has, uh, then Cedric Wilson, Noah Brown, and, and the kid out of uh, Rhode Island, uh, Aaron Parker, who no one really knows about, could step in and play. And how that's going to help you by familiarizing yourself with the depth around the league in preseason is that when these players come up on the waiver wire, you're not going to have to wait a week to understand who they are and lose a week and probably lose your opportunity to jump on a waiver wire play uh, that might mean you won't miss a beat in your fantasy team's productivity. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and Farrell Elliott of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com. You talk about the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott? Goes early in these drafts, deservedly so. They've got a backup running back, Tony Pollard. If you look at his numbers, you look at his uh, kind of analytics, he's just as good and is almost as productive as Elliott is based on uh, the only difference is just number of snaps. Is Pollard a guy going early in these drafts? And what do you think about the whole running back handcuffing thing at this point in fantasy football? It's probably not your winning strategy, especially if in you're in a contest like ours and you want to win a grand prize against five, six, seven hundred teams. Uh, drafting a handcuff, spending a draft capital of the ninth or tenth round where Pollard is going, uh, is probably not your best move because there's a, there's impressive offensive players throughout this draft that are going to get a chance to hit the field, and and if you spend that pick on Pollard, even if you have Ezekiel Elliott. If you spend that pick on Pollard, he is going to be uh, just an occasional plug-and-play player in their offense, which means he's not going to bring the fantasy value to you. You know, we always go through uh, 
just crazy things in fantasy football. Everything changes. And now mm-hmm. we've got COVID and COVID mm-hmm. testing. I look at a team like the Vikings, who've got they've got offensive line problems. They released their tackle from last year. They drafted a new one in the first round. Now he's not practicing. Now they've got a quarterback who refuses to get vaccinated. Is this something you have to look at, especially a team like the Vikings? Their coach is on the hot seat, allegedly. You know, is COVID now, is that something you have to factor into fantasy football now, too? Yeah, we're factoring it into every other aspect of our lives. So, yes, we have to factor it into fantasy football. You know, the uh, personality test, uh, the Wonderlick test, which fans are very uh, familiar with, and, and the true numbers don't really indicate exactly who is going to be successful one of the one of the hardest things to do is scout nfl players and the difficultest the most difficult position to find your future player is at the quarterback position a lot of big big mistakes have been made at that position so you take a guy and and you spend a lot of time with him through these personality tests through trying to get to know him through the interview process and you know uh, the Minnesota quarterback had a bit of a knucklehead factor to him, and now that begins to play out. Uh, that That's what kept him as a later draft pick than an earlier draft pick, and it probably moved him around in the league. Uh, I really love watching the player on the field, uh, but I don't have to live with him in the quarterback room every day and then build my team around him. And so, yes, it is frustrating because this new protocol, if you are not vaccinated, you are in a uh, – you're in a very uh, difficult position should you test positive and you're putting your team in a very difficult position. So fantasy players should pay attention to that. And while I think the vaccination issue is a private issue, it certainly isn't in the NFL because people are saying I am or I'm not. And so, you know, maybe you ought to look at players that you're certain that you can have uh, available for the season. You know, Brad, you talk about changes and we talk about the preseason as to who can who can focus in and, and look? Uh, you know what? How can you use your available time to watch all these games that are going to be coming across the NFL Network to you? And I think a place to start is you bring up all the changes of the new offensive coordinators in this league. Uh, they are all over. There's 13 new ones, and there's many of them with challenges, and many of them falling into the interesting uh, situations. We can talk about some of them if you want, or you can throw out some teams that you are aware of that have made some of the changes. But that's uh, that's the first place to start, I think, when you when you look at the rest of this uh, NFL preseason schedule. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and Farrell Elliott of the KFFSC. Make sure to check about KFFSC.com. Yeah, I took the Wonderlick test. I asked what my score was, and they just said I failed. I said, "Can you can you just look at a paper?" And they just looked at me and said, "Oh yeah, you failed." Yeah. I don't know, how do you fail? I didn't know that. Uh, okay, so give us the offensive coordinators you're talking about that's going to influence fantasy football this season. Mm, well, you know, let's start um, at the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a team with a lot of fantasy uh, firepower on it. It. Uh, a new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi. He comes from New Orleans, probably the most famous name ever in football. And he, uh, he and the first thing he does when he gets there is he says Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara will play similar roles, and and that's not that's not a hard step to make. However, Eckler in previous years has caught more touchdown passes than he has rushed for, uh, so increased Eckler participation are down around the goal line. 
what you have uh, is similar in Kamara. If that's the way they'll utilize Austin, then Austin Eckler looks like uh, a first-round draft pick uh, as far as up into the seventh or eighth pick uh, in our KFFSC draft. She would give value there. Uh, well, you got a, You got another favorite team that made a change. Well, I, here's a question. I want to maybe backtrack on something real quick. We were okay. talking about the Vikings, and you well, look at a guy like Dalvin Cook, and he's going, you know, top of the first round in these drafts, and deservedly right. so. But with all those offensive line problems, is that a guy that maybe is following in these drafts? And who among these first round players right now is kind of following in these following in these drafts right now in the KFFSC? Oh man, I tell you that. It, in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook, if he if there is a situation that is not positive for Dalvin, call the drafters will pull their hair out because this is one player that you have uh, evaluated and that you come to a decision that this is the number two, number three running back off the board. Uh, in Minnesota, we just had uh, information and it was not a season-ending injury, but it was a troublesome injury uh, to the wide receiver Jefferson. So you've got you've got tremendous draft capital in just those two players alone with that team. So in his case, I don't think there is much that uh, that with Dalvin Cook that that could happen with him to move him out of that position of two or three running back. He's just too strong with that offense designed around him. But guys that are dropping, and this is this is a wonderful way to use your your preseason time. And I used it immediately when I saw the interview. You know, we, we used to have to read a lot of print interview from, from football at this time of the year. Uh, you, you can see the video footage. And when they asked Saquon Barkley, would he be back to start the season? You could see uh, in his facial expressions and his hesitancy that the answer was no. He couldn't say it, but you could see it yourself. And now we're talking about him not being available for two games. He is dropping like a rock. Indianapolis's situation at the running back with the loss of their quarterback and the loss of their offensive lineman, there's the drop that you see from, from players becoming um, uh, unavailable around a young uh, running back in Taylor. So, yes, it, it, it is, you know, football is the greatest team sport ever. And when you begin to lose the talent around you, it's going to affect your productivity Consequently, it should affect your draft position, and drafters need to become comfortable with the risk that they're willing to take as they add these players to their team. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Uh, last four games of last year, he averaged 127 yards and a touchdown and a half per game. Was going in the middle of the first round. Now I l- I've seen he's going late first round. Is he going in the second round now? Uh, Jonathan Taylor is flirting with that second round, and he, he will drop um, – Possibly to the middle of the second round now with the the loss of uh, Nelson at the offensive tackle, and I think that could be as far as he's going to go. You don't want to have uh, you you want to remember that as we talk about this being a team sport, next man up football is the key, and it's hard to replace a lineman. It's, it's almost impossible to replace a quarterback in the way that Indianapolis will have to uh, for preseason and maybe into the first month of the season. But there will be a competent player step up, so you don't need to panic with Taylor. Taylor had a great recency bias at the end of the year. Now, he does have a situation where uh, Mack is coming back, 
Uh, Naheem Hines is there. Good complimentary running backs to a team which now may start the season with a rookie quarterback. They're going to run uh, often and, and depend heavily on the running backs, both in the passing game and to carry that offense until Carson Wentz becomes available. So you shouldn't panic on Taylor. And I think if he drops any further, I just saw a recent KFFSC draft where Ezekiel Elliott was the first-round pick, Jonathan Taylor was the second-round pick. That drafter may hit pay dirt because he essentially, if this draft would have been a month ago, would have had two first-round draft picks. Back-to-back is where Elliott and Taylor were going a month ago. Yeah, I, I just can't do Taylor. At this point, is that quarterback situation, if they stick with Eason for the first however many weeks, I don't see Taylor. Mm-hmm. I can't take Taylor at the end of the first round. That's just me. Uh, we look at uh, these wide receivers. Look at Devontae Adams. He's going number one, the first receiver off the board in a lot of these drafts. In your draft, the KFFSC, PPR leagues, point per reception, how early and how late is he going in these drafts? He's firmly entrenched back into the first round. We must start three wide receivers in the KFFSC. He was going at the end of the second when Rodgers, that was as late as he was going. When when Rodgers was a possibility of not playing, we never really saw that as a possibility here. Most of our drafters didn't either. Now he's firmly at the end of the first round. You won't get to that turn uh, from the first to second round without Devontae Adams coming off the board. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor and the commissioner of the KFFSC, Farrell Elliott. Make sure to check him out online, kffsc.com. Farrell, tell us about your event real quick and tell us about where we could uh, sign up to uh, get in uh, the KFFSC for the be a state champion over fifteen grand. Come play against Brad Taylor and players from around the country and our best players from here in the Kentucky area. Uh, give me a call. Because, Brad, we are down to the last 10 or 12 spots uh, live for our live event. We still have a variety of online dates available, which is the same main event as our live event. You can reach me at 502-523-5057. If you're shy and don't like to talk, especially on a Sunday morning and haven't had as much coffee as I've had, uh, you can look at K. FFSC, that's Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, dot com. And you'll see uh, of the leagues, the times, what we have to offer. Take a look at our rules. The best thing is when you come in our building, you're going to get people that are passionate and excited about fantasy football. And, uh, you know, if you feel that way about it, then you're going to blend right in and have a blast and have a good chance of winning. It's the best contest in the business, and uh, as a smart man once told me out in the desert, come on in, the water's fine. He's Farrell Elliott from the KFFSC. Make sure to sign up at kffsc.com. Farrell, good luck to you. We'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Brad. All right, buddy. That's Farrell Elliott, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, kffsc.com. We are running late. We'll be right back here on ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Now, you talk about a corny uh, karaoke song. This is top of the list. Although, a great ending for The Sopranos, one of the greatest series of all time. ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. What did we learn on this show today? Well, we learned uh, the Pirates uh, are a great opponent for the Reds. The Reds still have 10 of their final 51 games against the Pirates, and the Padres still have 19 games against the 
Dodgers and Giants. That's good for the Reds. We also learned the Ravens. That's the team to play in the NFL preseason. History tells us so. And we also lost two icons from the 80s and 90s today. The great Bobby Bowden, may he rest in peace, and Marky, po- Marky Post of Night Court. Uh, just ask uh, former President Bill Clinton about her. That's what we learned today, but make sure to stay tuned to ESPN Radio. All throughout the day, we got the Reds and uh, Pirates at 1240 this afternoon. Reds a huge favorite in this one. Ugh, too much for us to lay. Tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN Radio, it's the uh, Chicago rivalry, White Sox and Cubs. The Cubs have tried to hang tough, but not well enough in this one. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.